What's the best site in India? The Taj Mahal, the Golden Temple? For Rintwa, it's his market stall. Some years ago, he lost his sight and then his job. I'm Lisa from Specsavers and we help the Hope Foundation provide eye care in Kolkata. Rintwa was found to have cataracts. The charity performed surgery, which gave him his vision back. He regained confidence and returned to work. Find out how we're changing people's lives for the better at specsavers.ie. Hello, I'm Connor Faulkner and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 30, where I take a spin up north from base camp in Loch Lyon to Portadown in County Armagh. I'm meeting Doug Beattie, the leader of the Ulster Unionist Party, in his busy office in the town. A very interesting guy and very easy to talk to. But before we do, I'd like to take a moment to say a big thank you to our sponsors, to Specsavers, to Doro Mobile Phones and to Expressway Buses. Three great companies in three very different areas. They're very good to support us, so thank you very much. Don't forget to check out earlier episodes and other chats. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. So now let's go and meet Ulster Unionist Party leader Doug Beatty. Nothing of that. Let, let, let me tell you, I, 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 I'm neither skilled nor experienced <laughs> in this. I, I learn every, I learn every single day. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I mix my words. I get things wrong. I say the wrong things. I do it all the time. It happens. Yeah. Uh, I very rarely ask for anything to be removed because I let people see there's a human side to people yeah. as well, and, and I think that human side is actually really important because people understand. He, he said this, but I think he meant this. I think that's quite important for people to see that we're yeah. not rehearsed. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's important. Exactly that. And I should say where we are. I'm talking to Doug Beatty, who's the leader of the Ulster Unionist Party. Um, we're in Portadown on a beautiful uh, December, December morning. We're just looking fabulous. Um, and I'm kind of surprised, but not surprised. This, your, your office just feels like a busy working office, uh, Doug. There's two people out the front working away. The phones are clearly, literally the phones are ringing. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting, Connor, a lot of people come here and, and they expect, because I'm the leader of the Ulster Union's party, they'll come into a big, fancy, plush yeah. office. But yeah. actually, it's, 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 it's got a college feel to it, isn't it? it? It's, like, it's like your front room feel to it. Yeah. And, and that's very deliberate, um, because what we try to do is try and make the place uh, welcoming as 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 best we yeah. as best we can. Of course, people come in here for very serious matters. But you know what? See, when they walk along and and you see people walking along the front of the office and they look in and then they walk past and they walk back and they yeah. look in, then they walk past and, and and that makes us think actually we need to make it more welcoming so that people come to the door and they can come straight in. And it's the workload of, of a local politician, very yeah, familiar, yeah. the length and breadth of Ireland, constituents coming it, in with it, it, exactly. access to services, problems and all that sort of stuff. Well, look, it's, it's, it's no different from, from, from what's happening um, in Ireland, the, yeah. the Northern Ireland. It's exactly the same. People have real-life problems. They, they they look to people to get help and solutions, and, and we are one of those help and solution organisations. Yeah. You know, the, the mainstay, and my staff in there are fantastic, by the way, the, those two that you... Well, they're you know, yeah, certainly bright enough. Alert. Well, they're, 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 they're really they're really good. If we get to if we get to the conversation uh, about them, uh, you know, because I think it's really important for people to understand that, that that this is not. And I don't know if the others are the same, but 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 understand that within my my office, I, I I've employed people um, from different areas in life who aren't necessarily professional at what they do, uh, but but they understand the issue. So yeah. the, the the young ginger herd um, girl who you passed over, that, that's Kate Evans. Kate Evans. Uh, has is is uh, is a single mother, so she understands that yeah. side of things and the difficulties that comes with with all of that. Uh, and you know she's got a young daughter in school and she understands all the schooling yeah. issues. So she's got an experience there. And and Steve McCarthy is is a, is a West Belfast Catholic whose grandfather was murdered by the UVF. Um, oh, nice. You know so and, and and he works for me as well because not because he's a Catholic, not because he's from West Belfast, yeah. not because his grandfather was murdered by UVF, but actually he come from a position within the um, uh, the uh, ambulance service. 
Right. Which gives him a skill to help people, you know, so you can... Do you know, you, you, you're, you're, that, that is, has to be the future. And, of course and, and, and of course we'll come to the future. We, we might kick off with the past if we can, though, because you're a fascinating uh, uh, individual, Doug. Um, we've been watching you since you been became leader of the UUP. You've got very little to no profile in the Republic of Ireland prior yeah. to that, probably. So that's it. So about five years or so, you've been in um, an, an MLA or an elected yeah. MLA in Northern Ireland. But prior to that, a career soldier. Mm. Um, you actually grew up in a military family, didn't you? You were born on a, um, a military base in in England. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I mean, we, we all we all are, are are victims of circumstance in 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 some ways, I suppose. And I, I use the word victim lightly yeah. in another in another way, but well, no kid gets to choose. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. so, so my father was a soldier. He was in the Royal Ulster Rifles, um, uh, and uh, we grew up in a in a military family. I was the youngest of six. Hmm. Uh, um, uh, my mother was in the, the military briefly and, and and died in service. Uh, my two brothers, because um, I had three girls and, and and there was three boys, and I was the youngest of them all. Uh, my two brothers joined the army, uh, and I ended up going to the same way, and and I went into the the military at the age uh, of sixteen, and and uh, and and spent my whole life in in the military, mm. a, a, a very long career, and a and a really and that let it be said. The sharp end. I mean, you saw a, a very active service in, in places like Helmand, for example, oh, oh, Bosnia. Yeah. Well, 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 it's it, it's 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 really interesting. I think when people talk about the army, and I'll I'll, I'll get to this about about Helmand in, in just a moment if I can. But 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 there's other sides of things that people maybe don't understand or don't realise, which are fascinating, which really shape your life in many mm. ways. So, you know, I, I, when I first joined the army, I started off by guarding Rudolf Hess. And out prison in Berlin. In Berlin, so yeah. I, I guarded Rudolf Hess, and then and when wasn't I was the only prisoner in the whole, the, in the whole complex. Only, only prisoner there, and I was a young seventeen-year-old uh, in Berlin guarding Rudolf Hess, and all I was interested about as a seventeen-year-old would be, and you'd imagine this, is getting off duty, getting into the town, and drinking indeed. beer, and yes. chasing German ladies, and that's that that that's what young men are are, are like, and yeah. you know. Um, Berlin is still great, by the way. Uh, Very different. Uh, I, I haven't I haven't been there for for a while, but I remember long nights spent in the Grunewald while I was in in Berlin, mm -hmm. and then after that, I, I ended up guarding the cruise missiles in Greenham Common as, as well. And at the time of the protesters outside, at the time of the protesters, uh, event there. Can't I remember the protesters singing to me? <laughs> in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, on duty, standing over a brazier, trying yeah. to keep warm, and the women, uh, wonderful ladies at the other side of the fence, uh, very committed, singing um, ten Irish Rangers standing at the fence, and if one Irish Ranger would jump across <laughs> the fence, there would be nine Irish Rangers, and they would just go on for hours and hours and hours. But there, but but it was wonderful. So, so I did that, and I also travelled the world and seed other cultures mm. in 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 Africa, in 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 North America, throughout the yeah. whole of. Of Europe, but but come back to the point that you say as well. Uh, you know, I did see other darker things in 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 life. So mm. so I did three tours of duty uh, in Afghanistan. I did two tours of duty in Iraq. I did two tours of duty in Bosnia Herzegovina. Uh, I did a tour of duty in Kosovo, um, uh, Sierra Leone, uh, Somalia, briefly. So I've seen all of these places. And, yeah. and, and why do I say that? I mean, I can I can tell a story of each of these places about things that happened, awful things, lovely things, inspiring things, depressing things. But the interesting thing about all of this from my past is how, and I know you, I don't want to jump mm. too far into the future, but when people talk to me about hunger, mm. you know, in in Ireland or in Northern Ireland, yeah, look, I I say it, I've seen it in in Africa. I know what it's what it's really yeah, like. Part of Africa right now. And how problems that eclipses are exactly. Yeah. And 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 then um, when people talk to me about conflict, I say, well, I've seen that yeah. in in Afghanistan. And when people talk to me about division, I talk to them about Bosnia Herzegovina, a country split. Virtually yeah. in half, you know, the Republic of Serbska and the Federation of Bosnia Herzegovina, you know, Mostar with two fire brigades, one yeah. speaking one language, one speaking yeah. a, an, another language. I was actually Mostar, by the way, when the Starry Most Bridge was reopened. So oh, I was wow. actually there, yeah, so I was there. Um, that, that area is just in throughout global history, but those are the nations that emerged from the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, and the ethnicities were never. Uh, never fully answered it still boiled to this day well, it, it, it does boil to this day and, and I see trouble in in Kosovo yet again but but you're absolutely right it's a melting pot yeah. and and you, you you'll never change that you you can't you can't you can't get one ethnicity just to leave what has been yeah. their home for hundreds of years just to suit another so yeah. they, they, they deal with it but it's far deeper rooted than the troubles that we would have here in Northern Ireland. I think that's the point that I made. Yeah, I was going to say, so we come back here to our own little island yeah. and, you know, it, it almost feels childish to, for us to be hung up on our troubles given their 
they're small scale things. I was talking to um, the, the Irish historian Dermot Ferrisher, and we we're making the point that we're coming up the same period of centenaries, and we're coming in down to the centenary of the Irish Civil War, the yeah. post-treaty Civil War, um, and, and you know, st still very bitter memories to this day. But to compare it to the Spanish Civil War. Is, is just ridiculous given the scale of, of that conflict. So we have a tendency to think Irish problems are too big, don't we? We, 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 we do. We elevate our problems. Of yeah. course we do. And I'll tell you why. We do because it's very real to individuals here. And I'll, 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 give, you, I'll give you an example of this. And this is a, a wider context example. Look, when I served in Afghanistan, um, I, I, I met many from the Taliban, many people from the Taliban while I was, while I was there. They were my bitter enemies uh, and, and we fought against each other and I fought side by side with Afghans fighting against the, 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 the Taliban. And, and now that I've left, yeah. I, I look back there and I say, guys, just get on with it. You know, you can make it work together if you engage with each other. Because I've now divorced myself from it. Mm. But we're here on, on this island in Ireland, in Northern Ireland. And it's still very real to us. Yeah. It's it, we're living it every single day. So I feel it now, having seen conflict around the world. I can still see that sense of conflict here in Northern Ireland because we're still living it. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones, make friends with innovation. And, and, we, and you've seen what can happen when it goes catastrophically wrong. Yeah. Um, now, luckily here, we've had sort of, well, let's oversimplify, 30 years of an imperfect piece, yeah. at least certainly better than it was before. Um, the, the mainstreaming of, you know, the political mainstreaming of, of parties like Sinn Féin, for example. Um, and in that landscape, the UUP, um, but since you became an MLA and certainly since you became leader, I think a lot of people have been impressed with your appeal to the centre ground. Um, for example, you, you, your apology to the LGBT community. I mean, you said, I think your phrase was that uh, UUP had missed the bus hmm. and, and needed to get on it and catch up. Um, not something you expected to hear a unionist politician say, uh, or am I just being unfair to unionists as a generalisation? I, 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 here's, a, here's a really interesting um, thing I think, Connor, is I don't think you've been unfair, mm. um, because the bottom line is if we didn't show our support for the LGBTQ community, then, then that's our fault. But it's always been there. Yeah. It's always been there. That support has always been there, but we haven't been vocal enough in it. Uh, you know, if you go into loyalist communities in Northern Ireland, you will see the most socially liberal and forward-looking communities uh, in the whole of Northern Ireland. Progressive across uh, all uh, Absolutely. Now, yeah. disregard them from paramilitaries. I'm talking yeah. about a, a loyalist community. Those identify as a, as a community itself, um, but they're influenced by, by, by paramilitaries. That's a, that's a different thing. And, and it's the same within the Ulster Unionist Party is people want to, yeah. to, 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 to move on and they want to support people like the LGBT community. But we are a, 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 a broad church. It's used an awful mm. lot. We have many members who are very conservative. Yeah. They're conservative because they were brought up that way. You know, whereas I, I'm different. I was brought up in a different way. So, uh, you, you know, so there's, as I say to people, there's no point leading if people aren't following. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just out for a walk and there's nobody behind you. So you need people to come with you. So you have to do it a step at a time. So I guess the point that I'm that I'm trying to make is what I was trying to do there is saying we were wrong because we weren't vocal enough. And we've changed yeah. an awful lot since then. Yeah, and, and I think that's to your credit. I mean, you know, all parties have evolved. I mean, the, the, the gay rights conversation has been a, a, a narrative everywhere. Yeah. In the Republic of Ireland as well, obviously, we're very proud of the fact that we had a plebiscite, etc., and, you know, have rapidly caught up with what you might term those sort of liberal values sometimes we can get a bit too proud of ourselves and overlook <laughs> our own faults um, and, and Northern Ireland obviously moving the same direction for the same reasons um, I, I have a question about leadership and whether this gets rewarded um, because the UUP if you like under David Trimble uh, and the SDLP under John Hume those were the parties that actually showed the courage 
in forging the original while you know the, the likes of the DUP at that stage were outside screaming no um, and yet it, 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 the centre ground was punished and it was the extremes that benefited after the agreement was put in place so um, in, from the Ulster Unionist Party's point of view party politically um, it the, the triumph of, of, of the Good Friday Agreement actually set the UEP back, didn't it? It, it? it did. It did in the short term. So mm. following following the, 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 the Belfast Good Friday Agreement in 1998 and we had our next election yeah. uh, and the DUP overtook uh, the Ulster Unionist Party and Sinn Féin overtook the, the, the SDLP, you could look at that and say, well, well that would have been a very much a protest vote and had it been left at that, we would have probably squared ourselves back to where we were in the coming yeah. years. We would have went the right way. That wasn't the problem. So here was the problem. The problem was the St Andrews Agreement. The okay. St Andrews Agreement in 2006 and 2007, which changed the fundamentals of the Belfast Agreement of 1998, set Northern Ireland's electoral um, campaigning uh, on a sectarian course. Hmm. Because in, as part of the Belfast Agreement, uh, it was the largest designation that would become the First Minister. It would yeah. be the, the largest um, uh, opposing designation would be the Deputy First Minister. But they would stand on a joint ticket. They would go together and be elected together. And, and it's just semantics because there's, there's no greater degree of power. No. But the... Yeah, but then they would be elected together. But in, in, in St Andrews, they changed it to the largest party. So the largest party became the First Minister. The largest designation of the other party became the Deputy First Minister. They didn't have to do any joint working together in this. They weren't elected on a joint ticket in any shape or form. So that turned every election into, if you don't vote for me, you're going to get them. And the DUP has used, since 2006 and 2007, they have used the argument of, if you don't vote for the DUP, you will get a Sinn Féin First Minister. Yeah. And that is what has held us back. Not, 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 not because we did the Belfast Agreement, because people can see the benefit. Even the DUP now are using it absolutely. to argue their case. Yeah, absolutely. But the point is that that is, that is the issue. If you took away the, 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 the St Andrews Agreement, you would see the, the, the rectifying of where we are now. Would, would the underlying problem still exist, though, in that every time there's an election of, of any sort, the DUP's message is... Um, you, you must vote DUP or you're voting against the union. And just re, you know, refuse to have it be a conversation about the DUP's performance, for example. It might be an interesting conversation to have, but no, they would rather make the clarion call every single time, escalate the political temperature every single time in order to have every single election about the union. They, 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 they do, but, but that would be taken away from them because it wouldn't matter if you voted the DUP or the UUP because you're voting for a designation. Right. So it wouldn't matter there, so they wouldn't have that argument. This is a true story, Connor. People mm. say to me, I ask my, my anecdotal, you know, a, a nice story, but this is true. I'm going to tell you a true story. Mm. So I stood for a Westminster election, I think it was, I can't remember when it was, 20, 2019, and I was up the lamppost putting my posters up. I hate doing it but I always <laughs> put my own posters up lamppost. I was up a yeah. lamppost putting up my own poster and a man walked up to me and he shouted, Doug is that you up there? I said it is mate. He goes, good to see you're standing for election. I says thank you. He says no better man than you. You're the sort of person we need as a politician here in Northern Ireland, particularly here in Upper Band. I said that's really kind of you. And he says but I can't vote for you. And I says why? He says it's got to keep Sinn Féin out. And he voted DUP to keep Sinn Féin out. That's the way politics has gone and it's gone that way because of the St Andrews Agreement. And we have argued since 2006 that, St, that we should go back to the factory settings yeah. of the Belfast Agreement as a start point for proper reform. Well, you know, you have one, um, you, you have one point that counts heavily in your favour when making that argument, which is the Assembly clearly isn't working at the moment. The, mm -hmm. the, the DUP's power of veto effectively is what has it uh, uh, logjammed. And clearly, the, as a collective, they're failing the people of Northern Ireland at every level. The people your your staff are talking to outside at the moment are being failed by their elected representatives, aren't they? Yes, they are. And and uh, you know, for your listeners, and they probably know this already, but you know, uh, we have had government here for two years in six. Yeah. Two years in six. Four <laughs> years. It's been down. Three years under Sinn Fein, and now we're coming up to a year uh, under the DUP. Slightly different now because we're in a cost of living crisis. Yeah. Crisis. Uh, and the DUP are, are keeping it down because of a protocol. And a protocol is a problem. Problems can be solved, but you must deal with a crisis. My argument has been uh, since the election in May, um, which was a democratically fair election in May, you mm -hmm. know, that since the election in May, we should have the executive up and running now today um, uh, and help the people 
that we're here to 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 to, to well, help. It seems indefensible now. While at the same yeah. time deal with the issues with the protocol, yeah. we could do the two things at the same time. And do you know what really makes me, me sick so tired of this word, Connor, is the word mandate. Yeah. Sinn Fein saying I've got a mandate. You know the DUP saying I've got a mandate. Do you know what the mandate is in Northern Ireland? One point nine million people. They're the people who count. Yeah. I have a mandate, but that doesn't override one point nine million people. We need to work for everybody. Yeah. that's what I believe. I genuinely believe in that. Well, yeah, well, listen, I agree with you, and it's encouraging yeah. to hear the words. I, I do still worry that it's the the extreme voices that tend to get rewarded electorally, and maybe it's different in Upper Van versus East Belfast, for example. Maybe they're sort of. But uh, I wish you well. You polled, or the UUP polled. Was at nine, ten percent in yeah. those assembly elections. Um, I, I, I would love to see that inch forward as a reward for progressive thinking, but uh, <laughs> it will, we'll look maybe it will. It will well, I, I think it will. Um, Connor, I think one of the big problems within the, the, the party now is that we're so desperate for success that we set ourselves on a path mm. uh, and when it doesn't go our way and we hit a bump in the road, we, we change direction or we do something different. Uh, well, I became the leader, I, I said to people, we're going to shrink to grow. Um, but you know what? I've set a path. We're not going to change. If we hit a bump in the road, we go over the bump and we keep going in the direction going. We are not going to to ch- to change that direction. Yeah. Uh, and 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 eventually we will get clear blue water where we will get our fair crack at this without nonsense holding us back. And the point that you make about the, the, the those hard hardline voices, it's sloganism. Sloganism in Northern Ireland is 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 kind of this this argument of scrap the protocol, bin the protocol. It resonates well, with people, but it's not going to happen. No, and, and Northern Irish, in Northern Ireland, people have been shouting slogans at each other in just mm. that way since long before Donald Trump mm. invented it. it, it it's been a, a continual a scourge. Um, let me have a, a slightly more nuanced conversation about the protocol, if I may. The UUP, to, in my mind, to its credit, came out against Brexit before the vote took place. Um, and I think... Uh, look, you and I would certainly agree that that analysis has been borne out by events, but we are where we are. Yeah. On the protocol, um, here's a funny thing. Is that only an issue because unionists are making it an issue? Does it need to be? And maybe that's a strange question because I live in the Republic and yeah. if, I don't have that sort of... If you, if, if a, an Ulster unionist hears there's now a quasi-border between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK, I can understand how you have a visceral response to that. But in practical terms, it makes very little difference. We know that there are nuanced differences. The law is different in England and Wales. Northern Ireland has its own rule. Its own number plates are different. They, yeah. you know, it's not that big a deal constitutionally, and the constitutional guarantee remains. And yet, it is giving the best of both worlds. Northern Ireland, compared to the rest of the UK, is outperforming the rest of the UK economically. Protocol, in a funny sense, is working for Northern Ireland. Should unionists not, you know, declare it to be a great thing and and uh, you know a strong stitch in the union, call it terrific and get on with it. But Con- instead of choosing to yeah. be, uh, to make it, you know, to Con- oppose it. Con- Con- Connie, you're, you're, I mean, you're great. You're, you're great. <laughs> I, I, I love I love talking to you, but but you you've, you've just you've just uh, you know peddled a line that people use yeah. to undermine our particular argument that. It's the best of both worlds. Well, do you know what? See, it was the best of both worlds. Why does Ireland not want it? Well, we actually had the best of both worlds, which was when both jurisdictions were EU members. We don't have that. You're right. We don't have that. So, 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 so that was a flippant remark to me. I, I don't expect Ireland to have to do anything. They didn't vote to leave. It was the UK government, and and we're part of the UK. We voted to leave. But, but this argument is the best of both worlds. A couple of things. First of all, the Mm. protocol hasn't been implemented. I think. True. I think no more than ten or or twenty percent of the protocol has been fully implemented. So what we have. And not the relatively easy bits. Yeah. So, so it hasn't been implemented now. But this argument that you know everybody is benefiting from the protocol is simply untrue mm. here's the reality of what's happening in Northern Ireland there are people out there who absolutely are benefiting from the protocol and if you took it away they would they would collapse yeah the, the dairy industry yeah the beef industry it's they, softening the brexit effect yes, for so, sure but there are there are others who are absolutely being driven to the ground because of the protocol for absolutely no reason. And I'm going to give you uh, an example, if I, if I can, um, Connor, and, and this is simplistic, but it gives you an yeah. idea of what I'm talking about. So you, you must have heard of Whitby Scampi. Oh, yeah, the, yes, of okay. course. Yeah, so yeah, Whitby yeah. Scampi, the fish for Whitby Scampi is caught off the coast of Scotland. Yeah. It goes from the coast of Scotland over to Northern Ireland till Kilkeel, where it gets processed. And from Kilkeel, it then goes to Whitby, which yeah. turned into Whitby Scampi. It goes nowhere near the European Union. 
Yet the fish from Scotland to Northern Ireland has to go through yeah. veterinary checks um, before it goes to, to Kilkeel. Which, uh, is, which is, depending on your point of view, that's either silly or spiteful, but it's clearly not constructive. It's not in any no, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it delays. Yeah. It delays it. Now, if I was sitting in, if I was sitting in Whitby, I'd say, let's just cut out the middleman. If it just comes from Scotland to us, we'll have our own processing factory outside Whitby, and then we cut out that whole nonsense that's affecting the the, the, the goods going this three way. Yeah. And if you do that, that's two hundred jobs in Northern Ireland gone. So there's an example where it's, it's not working and people will use an example and say, look at this business, look how well this business is doing. Well, do you know why sometimes that business is doing really well? Because six other smaller ones have all collapsed yeah. under the protocol and they've taken their business. And if we pivot and try and put ourselves in the EU's position, because yeah. uh, Brexit has happened now. I, again, one of the conversations I had recently was with Kieran Cook, who's an MEP. Mm. You may know Kieran, I don't know, but he was saying that essentially people you know, regret Brexit in Europe, but they have moved on. The conversation mm. is different. From the EU's point of view, they're very passionate about defending the single market legitimately. But surely we can identify, like the Scampi example, um, you know, where such protections simply aren't needed. The problem isn't there. The problem doesn't need to be fixed. If the problem develops, we can revisit it. So, um, but but it's not going to undermine Europe's single market. No, no. So so there there's one of the, the the very key points that we've said. Now our position on the protocol has not changed since 2019. The protocol was never going to work. It was always a bad deal. Uh, and the reason it was a bad deal and never going to work is because they never had Northern Ireland politicians in the room when they negotiated it. Because see if they did, yeah. the Northern Ireland politicians would said that ain't gonna work. Well, and they were gonna but 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 you know if, if I if I can if I can just quickly finish the, the point that we have made is and and part of it is what you're saying is if goods are coming from Great Britain to Northern Ireland and they're staying in Northern Ireland, they don't need to be checked. Clearly don't. It, you know, yeah. If the goods are coming across and in any shape or form they could end up in the EU single market, then they do need to be they do, do need to be checked. Our, our, our VAT should be aligned to the rest of the UK. It will not affect anybody else. Yeah. Uh, our state aid rules should be aligned to the rest of the UK. It won't affect anybody else. And but here's the sticking point. Sorry, Connor. Here's, yeah. a, here's a really sticking point. The sticking point is the European Court of Justice. But go beyond that. It's the democratic deficit. So I'm sitting here mm. uh, as a Northern Ireland MLA, the leader of a political party, elected to represent them, I want to represent them. Elected yeah. to rep elected to represent them. Yet I have not got a say in laws which affect the people of Northern Ireland, which are coming from the EU. MEPs in Ireland have more say on laws that will affect Northern mm. Ireland than I do. That's clearly not right. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it, 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 it may have been appropriate when the UK was an EU member because it, it, and I think it's false to describe the EU as a non-democratic institution, but it is a supranational institution. And every time, as the most sovereign country in the world, every time you sign a treaty, that treaty comes with obligations as well as privileges. And you can call those obligations loss of sovereignty if you want to have a polarising yeah. argument. But they're a pragmatic reality. You do deals, you've got to keep your side of the deals. Um, so as I say, when Northern Ireland was a, a fully fledged EU member, uh, it was a totally different conversation, wasn't it? Um, it, it was, but, but you, you, you talk about, so So here's my argument to, to you, Connor, and, and look, I, I'm pragmatic, so I want, I'm solution focused. The yeah. protocol is here. Um, we need to have something, you know, it's not going to go, but, but what I'm trying to do is find something that works for everybody. So I'm trying to find that, that, that balance so that, you know, we, we, we do find that those who need the protocol have the protections of those who need... It, it feels like there's a landing area there. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think the landing zone is there. But, but here's the point that I make about the protocol in the first place. And people say it's an international treaty. But you know what? It was wrong in the first place. And here's why. Because the international norms are that no treaty should uh, uh, interrupt any any country's in, 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 territorial integrity. Hmm. The protocol interrupts UK's territorial integrity. Therefore, it's outside the, 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 the norms, uh, international yeah. norms, so it shouldn't have been signed even on that basis. Yeah. But I understand where we came from. Yeah. I understand where we are now. But I find it difficult, Connor. I'm going to say this, and I, and I and I say this knowing that people there will be a backlash on this, you know. But um, but I, I cannot see when we are dealing with a crisis in Ukraine, where over five million people have decanted from that country uh, throughout Europe, throughout the EU, into Ireland with their cars, with their goods, with their food, with their animals, yeah. with no checks, no issue. 
Mm. Yet a bottle of olive oil coming from Great Britain to Northern Ireland is subject to checks. Doesn't make Which sense. Is damn right, silly. And I say it's either silly or spiteful. And there's clearly a solution there. Of course, let's say we just tolerated that, and the EU did an analysis five years later and said, "Oh, you know what? There are warehouses in Northern Ireland artificially taking advantage of." Okay, then you now have a problem that you can set about solving. And um, but to put checks like that in place, it's it just a frustration, not only a, a, a constitutional frustration and worry for a, a Northern Irish person who's who's a, a loyal British subject, but just on a practical basis, a frustration to trade, a needless frustration to trade. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully, as I say, there's a landing zone and, there. And, 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 and just can't come on to this. So I'm not comparing the crisis in Ukraine to a bottle of olive oil. No, okay. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally saying... The, the EU have been absolutely right in what they've done, very pragmatic in what yeah. they've done. That's 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 the right. So 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 that's the sort of pragmatic yeah. that I want to see at, at every single at every single level. And, 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 it, and it is clearly possible as you as Ukraine demonstrates. Yeah. So you know the pan, pandemic demonstrated a whole lot of things in the pandemic that shows couldn't could never do it until we did. And the other thing that annoys me about the protocol, um, Connor, and and I don't know if your listeners know of this or not, but every four years we have to have a vote on articles five to ten of the protocol. So every four years we could change the protocol for article five to ten if we decide we don't want it anymore. Every four years, and, yeah. and, and do, do you know what that means a needless that, political row. Every that four means years. every well, you know, see in fifty years time. We'll be voting on a protocol every four years, where the rest of the world will say, "What the hell's a protocol?" Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and and that was not that's well, needless. Well, well my, my my dream stroke fantasy stroke. Hopefully, it'll all work out. Um, and I, I think Brexit did enormous damage because pre Brexit, pre Brexit, we were really were having our cake and eating it. So there was no problem being Northern Irish and British, and no problem being Northern Irish and Irish, and increasingly no distinction between the two. I mean, you are both, uh, absolutely I, I, both. I am, absolutely. Um, so, so, you know, I, I think that border was, was dissolving slowly, and I think that was the best way for it to go. Um, and, and maybe over a longer time frame, because, you know, we, we, we're going to have a shared future. We don't have a choice about that. Um, whether it's an agreed and peaceful and prosperous future is, 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 is kind of up to us. Well, the, 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 the border between Northern Ireland and, and, and Ireland had disappeared in our minds. Yeah, and of course, there's, there's monetary difference. Of course, there is tax difference. Of course, there's governmental difference. But see, in our minds, it had gone. Yeah. There was no border. And that was the beauty of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, is we balanced the unbalanceable. But what the protocol did was put a border in the Irish Sea. Now, it's still in people's... There's a border yeah. there. Now... We need to we need to, to 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 address we need to address that yeah uh, and and you know that, that it's not it's not easy but I no it isn't easy but, but it, you can do it yeah. at the same time as having a government to put it like that you can I mean, exactly yes yeah. yeah, and you, you 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 can't percolate everything down to one big thing we disagree on and take that as an excuse for not for not even working on anything yeah. else and unfortunately I think that has been the DUP's want. Um, you make plenty of criticisms of the DUP. You don't. You don't need me to do it for you. Um, no, I, 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 think they've got it wrong. I, yeah. I, I think they've fundamentally got it wrong. Uh, I think they are damaging our place in the union. I think they are driving people away. I think you can see that in the statistics uh, since nineteen. Uh, sorry, since twenty sixteen uh, to the last election in May, one hundred and sixty seven thousand new voters have voted yeah. uh, of those 167,000 new voters only 18% of them had voted for a unionist party that doesn't mean only 18% are, are unionists yeah. and what it means is people who are pro-union can't bring themselves to vote for a unionist party which is which is uh, negative or, or, or regressive yeah. or pessimistic extremely and, socially conservative and that's, what, and that's what the DUP are promoting as the largest party yeah. and I'm trying to do the absolute opposite of that and yeah. say actually Unionism can be confident, optimistic, positive, yes. inclusive. Uh, Look, Connor, you're a unionist. You don't even know you're a unionist, <laughs> and you're a unionist. People in Ireland don't even realise they're unionists, but they're unionists. And uh, here's why, because they're part of a union of the European Union, so they yeah. believe in unions. Yeah. And if you go to the United States, it's a union of states. They are unionists. Well, you, I, I, would, I would flip that in exactly the same way and say, <laughs> and say that you're a Republican, because, you know, if you spell Republican with small r, what it means is a merit and rules-based society that's mm. democratic, and you know, all the fundamental yeah. tenets, tenets of what describes a republic are kind of modern values we can share. Isn't that, isn't that interesting, Conor? That, yeah. that, that, there we are, and we can say that to, to each other mm. uh, and, and, take, and take no slight of it. The problem is, within Northern Ireland, we have taken those 
those identities and meanings and yeah. we've turned them upside down completely. In other words, the word unionist in Northern Ireland means completely something different from what union yeah. means. And, and we all know, despite how much we try and disavow it, and the same with Republican, um, that it remains, unfortunately, a sectarian uh, proxy number, isn't it? Oh, when you say union, unionist, you mean Protestant. When you say Republican, you mean Catholic. That horrible horrible mindset still underlies those labels doesn't it it it, it does um and look you know everybody everybody has look i i'm i'm a, I'm a protestant i was brought up in the church of of, of ireland I, I got married there my, my kids were baptized there um I, I buried my mother and father in, in the same same church so okay. you would say you say Beattie, you know is, is, a, is a protestant but but yeah, but when I say things, I, I, I'll be honest, I genuinely mean that my father brought me up to not look at people through that lens. Yeah. I didn't know I was a Protestant until I was 11. Yeah, I was yeah. 11 years old when somebody says, but you're a Protestant. Oh, right, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what that meant. Literally didn't, didn't know. But, but I, when I look at people, uh, Connor, I, I, I look at people and I, I don't care what religion they are. I don't care what sexual orientation they have. I don't care what community background they come from. I don't care what colour they are. Yeah. We, we are all people. Now it all sounds a little bit, uh, you know, that's what you'd say as a politician. That's what I believe. Yeah. And I believe that because I've travelled the world. I've lived with these people, these cultures, uh, sometimes in good circumstances, mm. sometimes in bad circumstances. But I've seen it and I know that we're all the same. People's aspirations here in Northern Ireland for a united Ireland are fair aspirations. Yeah. But so is an aspiration for a United Kingdom. Yeah. So we, we just need to make our arguments, and we can make our arguments in, 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 a, in a sensible way. Yesterday I was in St. Ronan's, um, St. Ronan's College, which is a, which is a, a, a Catholic-maintained school, yeah. and I spoke to their political students there, and I, I explained to them, look, I, you know, I'm a unionist, but just because I'm a unionist doesn't mean I'm against you or your religion or, or, or where you come from. It's just I have a different political yeah. outlook. If people just start doing that. Talk, have conversations, it's inherently healthy, isn't it? Um, do you know, one thing I was going to say to you is that, is that uh, and I think you're great on this as well, um, unfortunately, the Republican side of the fence, if you like, has co-opted ownership of Gaelic culture and heritage and background, whereas in fact, uh, it is every bit as rich a part of the Protestant Unionist heritage um, as it is. So, you know, allowing these things to be labelled and owned is a sort of a deep tragedy, isn't it? It is it's a real tragedy, um, uh, Connor. Now, listen, I, I, I've been out very vocal on this, so, yeah. so I'm not saying anything new here. Uh, I'm Irish. I, I have yeah. always identified as Irish. My whole life I have identified as Irish. I don't care if you put a prefix of Northern Irish in front of that. It doesn't really matter. But, but I identify as Irish. The fact is I'm British as well is 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 just to me very yeah. very 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 normal. So all of these things represent me. So so you know, God save the king represents me. The sash my father wore represents <laughs> me. Ulster rugby represents yeah. me. You know, the twelfth of July represents me. But so does St Patrick's Day. So yeah. does the Shamrock. So does Guinness. So does Gaelic games. So does very Gaelic good. language. So does Gaelic. Um, uh, music, you know, so does Ulster Scott. So, so does Ireland's call, or at least it does its best. It. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, all of these things represent me. Identity is multi-layered. Now, you, I say that to you, yeah. but there are issues within that that we find, which we try to be more nuanced about, and people turn it absolutely upside down yeah. by not understanding the point or deliberately misrepresenting the point you try to make. Let me give you an example, if I can, mm. Connor. So, the Irish language. Yeah. The Irish language, uh, it is part of my identity. Mm -hmm. it, it should be funded. It should be respected. Uh, it should be promoted. It should be cherished. We want it to succeed. Yes. That's the Irish language. Yeah. I didn't want an Irish language act. Why did I not want an Irish language act? Because I didn't want to make that language, or Ulster Scots, because I didn't want an Ulster Scots yeah. act either. I didn't want the, uh, that, that language to become that political stick to beat each other with. Yeah, politically weaponised. Yes, now, now people will say, well, unionists weaponised it, and then unionists will say, well, Republicans weaponised it. The, the bottom line is it was weaponised, uh, and, and I'm sorry that that happened, but at no stage would I do anything to undermine a language. In fact, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, it was our party that made sure that things were inserted to make sure the Irish language in Northern Ireland grew, and it has grew. We made it successful here. Yeah. We were part of the people who made it successful here. But people will turn it around, Connor, and say, because I don't support an act, I can't 
I, I've got a problem with the language, and I simply haven't. Yeah, I, I, listen, I totally accept that. I'll give you my take on it, which is perhaps even more depressing. It's not truly about the language itself. It's a proxy. Um, and, you know, it's, it's claimed to be that there are language rights. Same conversation incidentally exists in the Republic. There's voices there who want, you know, every sign in every shop to be in two languages. It's a bit excessive. But in Northern Ireland, unfortunately, I think it's a bit of a proxy war again. Because, you know, that great Northern Irish thing, I can claim to be talking about one subject, whereas, in fact, it's an excuse to get one over on the others. And I think what the Language Act is like, it, it, it's about branding. When I drive into Northern Ireland, I'm, I'm often struck by the painted curbstones and the, the branding of the landscape. And, and it's heavily branded. Come here in July, it's heavily branded in the British colours. It's an eye-opener. Yeah. You can do it. And I think the Language Act is about enabling a certain cohort of, of Green Republicans to be able to brand areas so that they feel Irish instead of feeling British. And that might be an aspiration, but it's nothing to do with language. That's no. nothing to do with language rights. Well, you you raise a good point. I know you you, you were here a little bit early, and you had to be walk around around put it down, and, and if you're not in the centre, put it down. You'll see the union flags in the yes. centre, put it down. Well, if you go to this office now, turn right, go over the bridge, and instead of going into the town, you turn right. You're on the Gavaki Road. Yeah. The Gavaki Road, um, which is mostly nationalist. Yeah. Now, if we end up having um, these dual signs, it'll actually be quadruple signs. So you'll be going into the town centre where all sounds will be in English and Ulster Scots. Yeah. And if you turn right and go up the Vaki Road, it'll be in English and Irish. Yeah. We and will again, about sectarian branding, not about... We, we, are, we, are, we are literally getting into the stage where we're marking territory. Now, I can understand why people say, well, let's just give all three. So you then have a language which is in, in English, Ulster, Scots uh, and Irish. The sheer folly of it. And, the, and, 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 and you know what, for drivers, that would be uh, an absolute... Absolute nightmare. But I don't want to deny anybody their language. I don't want to deny anybody the visibility of their language. I don't want to deny anybody their identity. I don't want to deny anybody their culture. I'm looking at this purely from what I believe is a, is a practical measure. But you raise a really interesting point, is that people use things like the language yeah. as poking the eye politics. Exactly. Poking the eye politics is a good way to phrase it. I, I, and if I, I don't pretend like I'm talking about something else entirely, then, you know, I yes. sort of score extra points. I'm not poking you in the eye, I'm talking about language rights. Yeah. And that's, why, and, that's why, and that's why, Connor, nobody, nobody ever pulls me on the fact that I do not support an Ulster Scots Act either. Yeah, yeah. Nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. Why don't they? Because I'm a unionist. If I say I don't support an Irish Language Act, it's because I'm a unionist. Yeah. That's the reason. So that's poking me in the eye. And I'm literally desperate at times to say to people, I have no issue. Yeah. If I'm sitting here with you, and I've done this many times, so this isn't just this podcast. So I've done this many times and literally said... I'm Irish, and all of this represents me, yeah. including the Irish language. But I simply think that an act was a bad idea. Now, all that's academic, because we now have a, a legislation going through mm. which is waiting for its royal assent. So it will be done, it will become the law, and we can just get on with it. Right, and at least that conversation will be over for good or ill. It was you'd wish, you'd wish, you'd wish it would be, Connor. Do you know what, I, I mean, we said at the start that no child gets to choose their background. I, I grew up in South Dublin, it's somewhat of a privileged environment. We weren't a rich family, but it was certainly relatively... And we never had the daily scourge of the reports and the troubles and every And people these days don't appreciate, the younger generation don't appreciate, that it was literal daily news. I mean, if ever Ireland was in the news, it was because of something horrible. We felt very insulated from that. And sometimes you talk to a, a Northern Republican, they can be quite resentful of the sort of privileged, pampered mm -hmm. South that has never known a day's trouble and, and yet feels able to preach. But I think if I grew up in Northern Ireland as a unionist, at that time I might have looked South and seen... Uh, a, a depopulating backwater, a, a, a Catholic uh, um, regressive culture, much poorer than the UK, much narrower. Um, astonishing how that dynamic has changed, how the Republic has come on in 30, so is Northern Ireland, but even in the relativities, the Republic is now the sort of vibrant, vibrating cosmopolitan place, much more pluralistic, far less Catholic, much more appealing for a young Protestant Unionist University age person right now, perhaps the prospect of a United Ireland isn't scary 
to a new generation? No, I, I look at. I mean, people will look at things and, and decide what they believe to be the best, the best for them. I mean, to go back to your first point, look, you know, um, Ireland didn't go unscathed in the troubles. I mean, the Dublin Monaghan bombing was just the most disgraceful yeah. uh, act, uh, and and some of the other murders that took place. It was a question of degree. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 how it's affected us in, in in Northern Ireland. It does it does change your your your, your mindset, and you do have to really fight through that 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 sense of, 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 of wanting to, to, to look for retribution, you know, whether that's physical retribution or just to see people not do well because of how bad you perceive that they were. If I, you know, if I tell you to go out the road and turn right and you want to go back your road, if you go out there and turn left... I've got to do it because yeah. you have to, you know, if you go out, picture. If you go, out, <laughs> if you go out and turn left, you, you'll, you'll come to Bachelor's Walk and that's where my uncle Samuel was murdered. You know, so he was murdered, and I still remember the day that uh, they came to the door to tell my mother that her younger brother had been murdered, and I was I was ten years of age, and I remember my mother falling to her knees uh, and screaming, uh, and Samuel of all of my uncles was the one youngest one who linked into us as children as we came back yeah. to live in, in Northern Ireland so so I have that with me I don't class myself as a victim I've never classed myself as a victim I will never going to at any stage class myself as a victim but that has shaped my life but things have moved on and, and, and things have moved on uh, you know at, at different ebbs and, and flows if we look yeah. at if we look at, at, at Ireland and, and how they're doing now economically and socially mm-hmm. you've got to say you know that's great yeah. Um, you know, w- w- well done. I applaud them. I- I'm glad there's still issues there, of course. Well, all of the things being equal, a prosperous neighbour is better for you. Than yeah, but, but, and, 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 and there's still issues. And, and yeah. the people in Ireland who, who live to those live those issues still have to live those issues. The issues of the cost of housing is, is an issue. Housing, uh, healthcare, loads of problems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 the way the population is so Dublin-centric yes. becomes a, a, a real issue now. The fact is that you brought in so many refugees, a wonderful thing, but it's, it's having a pressure on your housing yeah. and your infrastructure structure issues you know uh, so the cost of living becomes a real issue in, yeah. in Ireland so there's issues there as well and in Northern Ireland the cost of living is so much better notwithstanding the crisis we're in but yeah. you know the housing is cheaper rent is is, is, yeah. is cheaper and again if you look at Ireland Those big big ticket items yeah, but if you go yeah. if you look at Ireland and, and you go back uh, and you go back to to the the, the crisis you've had uh, where yeah. you've had to be bailed out I mean well done you've got out of this the but UK no, lent us three billion, by the way, but it, it, it was all paid back with keep, keep a change. Yeah, keep yeah, change. yeah. Well, well, exactly, and, and that's what I think good neighbours should do anyway. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is, nations go through ebbs and flows. Yes. So Ireland went through uh, an ebb at one stage, and they've come out of that ebb, and they may well go into a, a prosperous period, and they may take a dip at some stage. Nothing sure. Nothing sure. Exactly. Yeah. But at no stage, when Ireland was going through those hard times, did anybody in Ireland say? Oh, you know what? Wouldn't we be better if we stayed part of the United Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. nobody did. Nobody did. So, so, so the United Kingdom is going through hard times. Some of it's self-inflicted wounds because of Brexit. But, but I can't see why people think unions are suddenly going to say, "Ooh, you know yeah. what?" Uh, but you know, in, in the Brexit conversation, I was talking to some British people, and you know, just on holidays in Spain or something like that, and came across these guys who we actually know, but they were passionate Brexiteers, and I couldn't get my head around it. Many, no, many, many pub arguments, mostly non-constructive. But one of the things they were saying is they'd love to stay in the European Union but reform it because it has loads and loads of flaws. Now, whatever. But do you think from the Northern Ireland's point of view, stay in the United Kingdom but it needs reform because it's very, very Westminster-centric. The, 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 re- the way in which England neglects its own regions is utterly shameful and we've seen how little thought or care or attention they give to Northern Ireland. So Northern Irish people should nearly, you know, you want to stay in the Union you know, forget about the Republic and the threat in inverted commas of a united Ireland. Talking within your own union, Northern Ireland needs uh, to be respected a great deal more than it has. Well, we need a we need a, a better de- devolution deal. Is is the answer to that? No. So so so. The United Kingdom is a wonderful construct, and we're back to this union again. This is to me, this is what union is. Union is is a collection of nations which work for the good of each other. And I've lived in uh, England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, so I've lived in them all, uh, and and I've always felt uniquely Irish in every one of them. Um, but I've always felt at home in every one of them as well. Uh, and and I always felt that we were all working together. But you're right, you know, a lot of stuff does feel like it's Westminster uh, centric, and and the devolution solution needs to hand out more to the devil to to to, yeah. to the, the, the the different nations of that make up the United Kingdom. The problem that we have here in Northern Ireland is that for example, 
we're just not fiscally responsible here in Northern Ireland. Mm. Why are we not fiscally responsible? Because we've not had any length of period without drama politics. Yes. I often yeah. say to people, wouldn't Northern Ireland be great if we had five years, just five years, with of no drama, boring yeah. government dealing with the economy, yeah. housing, jobs, education, jams. health, yeah. traffic jams, potholes, yeah. boring politics. <laughs> five years of that where we, 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 we look to how we can make ourselves fiscally responsible and at the end of the five years when we've managed to do that, go to Westminster and say, will you devolve revenue raising powers to us to be able to do that? So tax raising powers so we can take responsibility for our own fiscal um, output here yeah. you know, and try and improve our position so we're taking less from central government and we're generating more from and within ourselves. And the potential is there. The potential so, is clearly there. But how on earth do we do that when we've had government for two years out of six? So this goes back to who has failed us uh, and whether we, whether we like it or don't like it, whether your listeners believe in one party or, or another party, the reality in Northern Ireland is for the last 16, 17 years, the two political parties in Northern Ireland who have been controlling things has been the DUP and Sinn Féin. The, the two that profited from the Belfast Agreement and the bravery, that the courage that it took to forge a negotiated settlement, those two were, were outside the tent at that point. They're the ones that have been rewarded and, and you, this is the virtue, if you like, of, of sh shouting loudly instead of showing leadership because depressingly it gets rewarded. Um, it gets rewarded at election time, and, and and I would love and I would love people just to, to go out and say, I have got the courage to say no more to you because what you are saying here now is is not for the good of the people, it's for the good of your party. This is what they're doing. They're doing it for the good of their party. Um, I, I am the first to say, and I've said this, and and trust me, I, I get a kick in every time. You know, uh, I, I I do this. If you look to your left, you'll see a poster of mine which was burnt. My front window. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. My 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 front window of this office um, was 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 smashed. A picture with a noose around its neck was displayed. Oh you know, all of these all of these things are, are, are happening because I take a very democratic view. To and do you lightheartedly think that if I'm offending both communities equally, I must be doing something? I must right. be doing something. Right. But we had an election in May and. God, you know, Sinn Féin were the, the largest party. I, I, I wish they weren't. I yeah. wish it was me. But it wasn't. That's democracy. So Sinn Féin needs to be the First Minister under our present rules. Yeah. That's just a, 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 a fact that that needs to be the case. But but you know what? They'll be the First Minister. The DUP should be the Deputy First Minister. They're still exactly the same. There's no difference apart from the word deputy. And they should be working on potholes, the health yeah. service. The well, well, they don't. But they, they don't, because they spend their time in the office, which they share, having their champagne breakfasts uh, and travelling the world, saying, look how great we are. They do that together, um, but at the same time, they poke each other in the eye in public. It doesn't help Northern Ireland yeah, one bit. Do you know, I hope, and, and a, a good part of me believes that you are building the future. The centre ground surely has to be a solid foundation um, going forward. Um, Doug, it's fascinating to get a, and it's like I could chat all morning, but you literally are a busy man. I can see it. Yeah. Fascinating to get an insight into into your mind and to what you're doing here in the in the in your constituency office. Well, well, listen, Connor, it's it, it, it's it's a pleasure, genuinely a pleasure, and 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 I I hope that people, whether they agree with me or disagree with me, that they can see there's a human side to me. Yeah. Um, I'm actually quite quite humorous. I tried to <laughs> curtail my humorous. It got me in trouble uh, a while back, so I curtail my humor a little bit. Um, but I, I, I've lived, I've seen more of life than most people realise. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen the best of it. I've seen the, the worst of it. Um, I've laughed and I've cried with it. Um, I, I'm, I'm very human, and I hope the people in Ireland understand that. Yeah. And just because I'm a unionist and I believe in a United Kingdom, it doesn't mean I denigrate anybody who believes in a United Ireland. Yeah. As long as we do this peacefully, I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, and, and that, please God, is our future. And Indeed. Doug, thank you very much. No, you're a pleasure. Pleasure. So that's Doug Beatty. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Let me know if you have any thoughts on it. Get in touch on connorfalknan at gmail.com. Do remember that you can access the full Driving Life archive of previous episodes at seniortimes.ie. Thanks again to Doro Mobile Phones, to Specsavers and to Expressway Buses. And we're done. Drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Why have regular eye tests at Specsavers? Well, they can help reveal health issues like diabetes and high blood pressure. Book an appointment online today.